Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I am your host, Shane Bacon. This week's Clubhouse episode with Bernhard Langer is brought to you, of course, by Ogio and the Mutant Travel Bag. All the room you'd want when you travel without sacrificing the always important security of those precious sticks of yours. The Mutant Travel Bag has an oversized compartment up top to securely wrap around the heads of your clubs, oversized wheels to make walking with it easier, and two large compartments on the sides that, from my experience, can easily hold a couple of pairs of golf shoes, maybe those flip-flops of yours. Traveling back home this week, I had multiple jackets, rain gears, shoes. They all easily fit inside of my Mutant Travel Bag, including my Ogeo Cirrus Golf Bag. The Mutant Travel Bag is perfect for any golfer who spends his or her vacation days chasing the sunset. And oh, by the way, you'll save 20%, 20% when you type The Clubhouse in at checkout. The Clubhouse, no spaces, save 20%. Upgrade your travel and keep those golf clubs safe. It makes good sense to me. Ogeo.com right now. An impressive weekend. Justin Thomas, seventh win in his last 31 starts. Now number three in the world. I'm not really sure how he's number three. I feel like he should be near one. He should definitely be ahead of John Rahm, at least in my opinion. But alas, number three in the world. Tiger Woods, 12th place finish, best in nearly three years. He looked really solid. He looked like he was strategically playing this golf course, which is something we've seen Tiger do successfully over the course of his career. I liked a lot of the choices he had off the tee. Didn't seem to be leaning on the driver as much. A couple of bad swings on the par threes during the bear trap, but everybody struggles with those holes. They're really, really hard. But Good signs from Tiger, that's for sure. A lot of positives coming out of these three weeks that he played. I know he missed the cut at Riviera, but I just feel like he's building towards something impressive, towards something that can actually work in this world, in this 2018 PGA Tour, and that's what he needs. So if he can keep finding fairways with fairway woods and stinger irons and maybe straighten the driver out a bit, the putting seems to be there, the iron play seems to be there, and if that's the case, I mean, I guess I have to say it, Tiger Woods probably going to be a PGA Tour winner in 2018. Exciting stuff. If you missed the Clubhouse newsletter this week, make sure you signed up for that. Just go to my Twitter page, at Shane Bacon, or at the Clubhouse Pod, and the link's right there up top. You can sign up for it. You get your news in your inbox on Mondays and Wednesdays. It's just an easy way to get information that you need that you don't have to go search the internet for. Who wants to go searching websites websites with pop-up ads and all that stuff? It's no fun. That's, that's, a, that's a lace. Um, well, enough of me. I was excited to get to talk to Bernhard Langer, the two-time Masters champion, now has 10 Champions Tour major wins. Just seems to be defying age and father time and all that stuff that seems to get anybody that spent four, five, six years out on the Champions Tour. He's 60 years old, and he's still the best player in that regard. Plus, he thinks he could still compete at the Masters. He, uh, he said he thinks that in the right conditions, he could maybe add a three, third green jacket. Of course, at 60, that seems absurd, especially with the distance that Augusta National is these days. But hey... He said, firm and fast, he's got a chance. He'll talk about that and plenty more up next. And we welcome into the clubhouse for the first time, two-time Masters champion, and now a record 10, yes, 10 Champions Tour major wins. Is that weird to hear, Bernard Longer? Well, it's, it's a little weird, but uh, <laughs> it, it's been a lot of fun. You know, It's, it's always uh, fun to do something no one else has done before, and I'm certainly very blessed to, to still be at it. Well, my first question for you, I've been asking some players that have jumped on this, and, uh, and you're going to have to rack your brain, so uh, this will be a hard one to start. What, are the fir- what was the first full set of like adult golf clubs you ever owned? Do you remember? Yes, I certainly do, because I, I paid for them myself as a <laughs> 12-year-old. So uh, there were Croydons. Most people don't probably have never heard of that name, but uh, 
make a long story short, I was caddying from nine years old and uh, saved some money. Uh, we only had four clubs as caddies. It was a two wood, a three iron, a seven iron, and a putter with a bench shaft. And so uh, I, I always wanted my own clubs and eventually had saved enough money to buy those. And that was, uh, you know, it was like Christmas and Easter combined. <laughs> How much would you make uh, back in the day for those loops? How much would they pay you for 18 holes? Well, uh, it was in Germany. It was like two Deutschmarks and 50 pfennigs for nine holes, uh, which is about a dollar for nine holes. Um, <laughs> not very much, but it was it was a lot for me at the time. You were happy with it. I, I've caddied before. Any money you get, anytime they pass you money in your pocket, you got to be happy. Well, you you turned professional professional at 15 years old. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. What, what were yeah, you thinking going going pro that early? What what, what was the motivation to go at 15? Well, it's uh, actually quite simple. I, I finished school, uh, basic schooling after nine years, and I had to go to work. So uh, the only way for me to stay in golf was actually working or, or to play golf was to work in golf because I didn't have the money. Uh, you know, if I just do a, an average job, there were all private clubs in Germany. I couldn't have afforded it. So uh, I, I watched the... Uh, golf instructor the golf coach we had at our local club and and enjoyed what he was doing helping people to to play better golf so i became a assistant golf professional learning the trade you know working in the pro shop giving lessons and uh running events and fixing golf clubs learning english all that kind of stuff and you've been a winner in a a staple on the european tour since really the the mid-70s at what point through the process did you think to yourself, "Hey, I'm pretty good at this. I've got a chance to make this a, a serious, you know, a serious long career." Yeah, it was weird because uh, in Germany there was really never anybody that's done anything on any tour uh, in the '70s and uh, even in the early '80s. So I really didn't know what to expect. But uh, I wanted a few. Uh, events uh, amongst the German pros uh, as an assistant pro and uh, a businessman from Cologne watched me win the German National Clothes Championship when I was 17 and he said well if you have any aspirations to, to go on the tour let me know I might help you financially and I said well I certainly would in about a year from now so he, he financed me a little bit and uh, that was you know I, I figured well I'll give it a few years if it doesn't work out I can always go back to teaching and uh, thankfully, it worked out pretty decent. Yeah, I mean, it's so much different now. I mean, when you look at the way young players go through the processes now, I mean, it is completely different than, than what you went through. Paul Azinger has told me numerous times when he went to college to play golf, he couldn't break 80. I mean, now you're seeing these junior players, you know, that have all the game in the world. I mean, what was your game like when you were 15 years old, 17 years old? What was it like compared to maybe a 17-year-old aspiring professional today? Yeah, I, you know, it was weird because I was never a, an amateur. I never had handicaps. So I was caddy till 15, and I would I would be able to play a few caddy tournaments at practice. And I would probably shoot around even par when I was 15. And then I, I gradually got better. And, you know, so when I was 18, I, I broke par on, on a regular basis. But what exactly, what my handicap would have been, I really have no idea. Well, I mentioned golf changing. When you talk to young players, when you talk to somebody, say a, a 15, 17, 20-year-old European player that, that is thinking about 
taking on the PGA Tour. I mean, this this has really turned into kind of a global golf world that we're in right now. What's the advice you give them as they start to to move outside of their comfort zone and prepare to play elsewhere? Well, I would first of all uh, tell them to finish their education because it's such a fickle game. You know, so many things can go wrong, and there's no guarantee you're going to be successful. And it, it's very few that are. And it's an extremely difficult uh, profession if you're struggling. If, you, if you're not very, very, very good, uh, it, it's tough because you're traveling. You're always away. You have expenses at home, expenses away. You keep missing cuts. You know, have no income. And uh, it's just no fun when you're struggling. But uh, if you think you can be one of the best, then I would certainly recommend it to, you know, pursue the dream. Give it a few years and, and see how it all develops. Well, you you won the Masters in, in 1985. It was your third start at Augusta. You were a known entity in Germany. You were a known entity around the European Tour. How different did life become following that win, considering it was on you know it was on United States soil and it was a major championship? Well, it certainly changed uh, a lot in in my career. I mean, I was uh, maybe not that well known in America, but I did finish second in the British Open in '81. I won the European money list in 84, so, you know, people should have heard of me if they watched <laughs> some of the bigger events. But uh, at the time, golf wasn't as global. And, uh, uh, you know, most people thought, well, the best golfers come from America, which which was probably true. You know, we had, you know, Tony Jackman and Seve Ballesteros had already won a British Open and a, one or two Masters. So he certainly burst on the scene. Uh, but it was a big breakthrough for me. I, I married an American woman in 84 and then won the Masters which in 85, which gave me a 10-year full exemption on the tour at the time, which was huge. So I could choose to play in the U.S. or continue playing in Europe and worldwide, which I did for the most part. But I, I also played a little bit more in, in the U.S. and uh, yeah, had a second home over here, which was great for me. Because growing up in Germany in the winter, I, you know, I was basically no golf for four or five months. Well, you you started the day back at '86. I mean, you won the Masters in '85. You're just a shot back of, of Greg Norman in 1986. Of course, everybody knows what happened in 1986. You know, Jack Nicklaus wins arguably the greatest final round in the history of, of of a Masters. Not necessarily the best memory for you, but take us back to that day, being on the golf course, being in the mix there. What was the buzz like around that final round? What were the fans like? I can only imagine it was. It was as crazy as it could be, considering what was going on around you. It certainly was. You know, there were loud cheers as you would ever hear around Augusta, and you could just sense something special was happening. And and I wasn't sure what it was, but when I looked at the leaderboard, I, I could see Nicholas creeping up near the top. And uh, the amazing thing is, everybody else kind of faltered. You know, you had uh, Savvy Bayseras there. You had. Greg Norman, all he needed was par on the last to go on a playoff. You had Tom Kite, who had a, about an eight-foot putt on the last to tie as well. Uh, there were all sorts of players in the mix, and uh, nobody, you know, kind of finished it off in the very end. And, uh, you know, the bear came through, and he came through roaring, and uh, obviously everybody was thrilled. It was an amazing feat to to win his six Masters at age 46. And uh, I was you know, very, very blessed to just slip the jacket on him and, and shake his hand and say, well done. This is incredible. When you go back to Augusta and you play practice rounds with, with young players, 
how do you describe the golf course to them? Because it is a place, it seems like, that either it fits your game or it doesn't. I mean, we saw Lee Trevino struggle there for a long time throughout his career. And, of course, we have guys like Jack Nicklaus, you, Tiger Woods, Nick Faldo, these types of players that it seems to really fit their golf game. What do you tell them? What's the advice you give players when you play with them for the first time to get around Augusta and hopefully to have similar successes that you've had? Well, the first thing I would tell them is really pay attention to the greens where and, and where you want to miss the green or miss your shot if you if you miss it. You know, so you have an uphill putt or if you miss the green, you need to miss it on the correct side where you can get it up and down because if you miss it on the wrong side, there's no way you're going to get it up and down unless you make a 40, 50, 60-foot putt. Uh, and that's the key. Uh, but Augusta has changed dramatically. I think the golf course has really changed in the... In the 80s and 90s, before they made all the changes, um, the fairways were extremely wide. It was really, I mean, you were upset if you missed the fairway, literally. They, they were very generous. And it was all about, or mostly about the second shot and uh, sort of the angle of the second shot, but then also mostly the second shot and, and putting in the short game. And uh, now it's, then they planted 5,000 trees made it much more narrow and much longer and now it's a tough driving course on on top of uh, you know second shot is still crucial and we all know how difficult these greens are yeah you mentioned the greens do you think that people overrate putting when they talk about the masters because we've seen guys that have struggled with their putting win there i mean bubba watson not a historically great putter sergio garcia not a historically great putter adam scott you know recently won and not always great on the greens. You, you you said, you know, it's a second shot type of golf course. Do you feel like we had there, everybody, the media always says, you know, you got to putt well, you got to putt well. But it seems like you don't necessarily have to be a great putter. Almost the greens, you know, make the, make it an equal playing field for everybody. Well, you still need to, you still need to make some putts. And uh, you need to avoid three putting and four putting, and you got to make some putts. But the, the greens are so pure. Uh, and all these players you mentioned, they may not be the greatest putters week in and week out. But they all have weeks uh, when they do putt very well, um, and you know that that was their time when they won there. They they putted well on top of hitting the ball great, and uh, that's what it takes. I wanted to take a quick break to tell you about ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? You're posting your positions to job sites and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash clubhouse. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash clubhouse. ZipRecruiter.com slash clubhouse. The smartest way to hire. Okay, back to Bernhard. You're 60 years old. You've been in contention recently at the Masters. So here, I'm going to give you a platform to say it. Do you feel like you still have the game to compete and maybe get yourself in the mix again in 2018 and beyond? Yeah, I definitely feel I have the game to compete. Uh, yet at the same time, it is very difficult for me because I'm hitting, some guys hit eight and nine irons. 
and uh, I can't reach some of the par fives, which they can reach. So I, I really need to bring my A plus game, either green and on the greens, uh, and uh, you know, got to be really precise, not make any mistakes or very few. Uh, if if I just play mediocre, I got no chance. While some of the bombers, they can get away with a bunch of you know not so great shots uh, because they have lots of opportunities for birdies if if they have a wedge nine iron eight iron in their hand for the second shots or if they can reach the par fives in two, they're gonna make a few eagles or a bunch of birdies. When you get to the Masters every year at sixty years old now. What conditions do you hope to see? I mean, what conditions do you feel like fits your game the best? You need it to be firm and fast. You need it to be wet. What, what do you hope to see when you get there to bring out the best in your game and to give yourself a chance? Well, I'd like to see it firm and fast. Uh, it's going to make the golf course much harder, and it's going to make the golf course a little shorter, which uh, I think it favors my game. I'm still going to miss a, a few greens because I'm still hitting longer clubs in there, but I I hopefully will miss them in the right places, as I said, where I have a good chance to get up and down. But if if the golf course is wet, it plays extremely long, and you get a lot of mud balls because they mow the fairways from green to tee, so it's like hitting into the grain on every tee shot, and it digs up that uh, Georgia clay, and uh, you know that's no fun when you're hitting three <laughs> or four iron with uh, a little clump of uh, dirt on the side, and you don't know how much it's going to affect it. You turned 50 a decade ago. You won your first season on the Champions Tour. You then started to reel off multiple win seasons. It's been 10 years. How are you able to keep doing this? Most people don't do this like you're doing it. They normally have four or five good years, and then they kind of ride off into the sunset. That's not been the case with you. No, I'm trying to defeat the odds. You know, there's always <laughs> been uh, <laughs> there's always been a few that stood out, whether it's uh, Tom Watson, Hale Irwin. Uh, there's, there's always a few that are just a little bit better than than the good average, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to be one of those. And so far, it's it's worked out. I'm trying to stay healthy, and I really enjoy um, the play the game of golf. I know the clock is ticking, and my years are numbered, so I might as well have fun uh, while it lasts and see what happens. You mentioned you, you like to you you trying to stay fit, trying to stay healthy. What do you do in in that regard? I mean, are you a gym rat? Just eat healthy, lucky with genetics. What are you doing to stay in the best shape you can stay in? Yeah, probably a little bit of everything. I'm, uh, I enjoy working out. I've, I've done that all my life, even though when I was younger, I, I enjoyed, you know, in the early days, I would go for runs in the, in the woods in Germany and uh, loved that till my back was so bad that I had to quit jogging. So then I had to, you know, find a stationary bike or something where I wouldn't have the pounding. Uh, but I just enjoy, you know, moving and, uh, just stretching. I feel better. I have more energy. I'm not as stiff. And uh, I, I think it just also creates longevity. It's good for you. Yeah, I mean, if you were working out early in your career, you had to be one of the few guys that did it. Of course, Gary Player, who uh, has been preaching this forever, loves to tell people what they should do with their bodies, what they should do around the game. Tell me your best Gary Player workout story that you have. Well, it's uh, it's a bit off color, so I can't tell that one. But there's <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a bunch of. I mean, every time you you run into Gary, it's something. You know, the the latest thing it's been uh, bacon. You can't eat any bacon; it will kill you, man. <laughs> Don't eat bacon. 
And then every time I see him, he goes, look at me. You know, now I'm 82. I just saw him a week ago and we were, we were doing a fundraiser together. And, and he says, yeah, this morning I did a thousand push-ups and sit-ups. <laughs> look at me. I'm just as fit as a whistle. And then he, you know, kicks his leg and makes a full turn. And the, the guy is amazing. I mean, when you compare him with most other 80-year-olds, he can still make a, a very big shoulder most people couldn't do. Yeah, it's it's incredible. He he cracks me up every time he talks about it. I've had him on a couple times, and and he, he my last name is Bacon. He yells at me just about my last name. I'm like, I can't do anything about it, man. There's nothing I can do. You, you, I mentioned you you you're 60. You've been doing this for a decade. Some guys go to the tour, go to the Champions Tour, and they never have any successes. Some guys don't want to go at all. A name comes to mind is Greg Norman. Why is it that some players want to keep pushing? And some players hang it up when they basically don't feel like they can compete on the PGA Tour. It just seems like they don't really have a ton of interest to go to the next level. You know, that's that's a great question. I, I think it, uh, in the case of Greg Norman, he probably just uh, doesn't want to put in the, the work anymore and, and uh, you know, practice. He's, he's had a great career uh, and he's got other interests. He wants to do other things in life. Uh, and he doesn't want to be beating balls and, and playing tournaments, I guess. Uh, I don't know what, you know, Paul Azinger may be similar. He just uh, felt like, well, I've been doing this for 30 years and I've, I've had enough. I'm not willing to be grinding on the driving range and putting in the work uh, to be at the level they want to be. And they don't want to be just mediocre. They They were... You know, some of the best there ever has been, and and that's if they play golf. I think they wouldn't want to play at any other level than to be one of the best, and that takes a bit of work. Yeah, I mean, it's, no matter how old you are. Yeah, it seems like at least in my years of being around some of these older players, it seems there's really two roads. One is they love golf and they'll always love golf, and the other one is golf right. was their job. And I I feel like you were in the in the grouping of you love golf. I mean, do you still really enjoy getting out there and playing, even if it's just eighteen holes, you know, at your home course? I mean, is it still a passion for you? Yeah, most most of the time. I mean, I take a lot more time off now than I ever have in my life because I have other interests and I need a break from the game. I've been doing this on tours for forty two years. So it's a very <laughs> long time. So I'm I'm learning to pace myself. Um, I I don't love the game enough to would want to play every single day of the year. I couldn't do that. I need to get away and take breaks. But I love to compete. So I, I want to get out there, you know, a few times a year and, and play in tournaments and fill the adrenaline and, and see if I can pull off the shots. And, you know, I see that a little bit in Nick Faldo. He's got a, obviously a, his main focus is television. But he when he comes out, he still loves to, he still thinks he can do it, you know, and, and he works at it and, and practices and, and uh, he still has the love for the game. Well, you're you're a real calm guy on the golf course. I've followed you during practice rounds. I've been out there, you know, when you're playing in major championships, and your demeanor doesn't change much. What's the maddest you've ever been on a golf course? Well, that's just to the outside. On the inside, there's a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> so it, there's there's some storms happening inside at times. But uh, yeah, on the outside, I look fairly calm, and I, I try to be even keel you know take the good and the bad because it's, it's going to happen um once heard a colleague of mine say you know you've got to forgive yourself for the bad shots uh even before they happen because it, they will happen and and i thought about that and i thought it was very wise um and it's no good 
you know, just uh, once you make a double bogey or bogey and then you're mad at yourself for the next hour, that doesn't help you. you got to get over it. And uh, as, uh, as they say, the next shot is always the most important. You were never a club thrower? I mean, you never in your early 20s, you know, chucked a seven iron? I threw a club, uh, yeah, last time I really threw a club in anger, I was about 17. And uh, <laughs> I was paired with, I, I was playing just for a little money with my best friends. And I was, I just three-putted from six feet or whatever. And I threw the, I had the, the putter in my left hand, the, the short putter, and I was trying to, you know, throw it 80 yards down the fairway or something. And the putter got stuck on my glove and it wouldn't release down the fairway it it released you know 20 degrees later and it was heading straight at my two friends they were standing (laughs) about six feet from each other and it went right between them and at that point I said to myself I swore I would never throw a club again very far just you know I toss it at at the bag but I would never throw it again and and I haven't because I, I could have killed one of them yeah, I mean, if you're going to throw a club at a friend, at least mean to be throwing it at your friend. You don't want to accidentally throw it at your buddy. That's, <laughs> right. that's a bad thing. Uh, you you brought up putting. I just wanted to ask a couple of questions about putting with you because it's always a, 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 I don't know if you want to call it a hot button issue, but it's always something that people talk about. Something that I've heard about you from a lot of people that have played a lot of golf with you. They always talk about your integrity. Does it bother you internally if you hear people murmuring about the way you putt considering you know in your brain that what you're doing is completely fine yeah it bothers me a little bit to tell you the truth because uh first of all i would never break the rule uh that's just you know we play by the rules of golf that's how we're brought up and uh i know when the rules changed that i had to change my putting stroke from anchoring to non-anchoring and uh i found a way to not anchor it and and still use the long putter and um I, my first thing was to talk to the rules officials and show them how I putt and explain to them what it what I'm doing and what it looks like. And they said, you're totally within the rules. You're not anchoring. You're fine. And the same thing with, you know, I play in the Masters every year. Uh, there's some of the best rules officials in the world. And I've played in the British Open and the Senior British Open and, and uh, the PGA, Senior PGA Championship. So I'm I'm constantly on TV because I'm, been playing fairly well so I'm always under scrutiny and I mean I would be stupid to be breaking the rule um, plus that's not me I try to be a man of integrity and uh, as I said uh, I would never do that uh, and I'm not I know I'm not anchoring and I can show it to anybody who wants to see it yeah do you do you have I mean have you ever had an open dialogue with with other players that that maybe have have just come up to you and asked I mean is that something that that happens ever with you that Somebody says, "Just show me what you're doing." I mean, I, again, like you said, you're on TV all the time. You're basically you're basically the the Tiger Woods, if you will, of, of the Champions Tour. Always on TV, they're showing your shots all the time, whether they be good or bad. I mean, do you have an open dialogue with people if they come up to you and just ask what's happening? Of course, but it's the funny thing is, it's never the players, you know, that I play with. It's it's people I don't know uh, that that are writing stories or commentating on tv or i don't know who it is but it's really not the players because they can watch me they can stand next to me you know six feet away and they they're paired with me and they can see that i'm not anchored do you uh do you ever mess around with putting i mean i know you you've been a guy that that earlier in your career you struggled a little bit with putting that's obviously why you went to the long putter do you ever pull out a short putter these days and just mess around with it on the green do you ever pull out other methods and just see how they feel 
Oh yeah, I, I did a lot of that over the years. Um, well, I had the yips four times in my career and went to different putting grips. You know, cross-handed. Then uh, I, I put it against my forearm like Kucher does now for years. Um, I started that a long time ago. I actually won my second Masters that way. And then uh, eventually, even though I thought I would never go to the long putter, um, I, I tried it eventually and, and persevered with it and finally learned how to do it. Um, so, yeah, every once in a while, certainly about two years ago when the anchoring band came into effect, I tried all sorts of putters, short, medium, different grips, different weights, different styles. And I uh, actually played a few competitive rounds with, with different uh, ways. But at that point, I was already using the long putter for 17 years and put thousands and thousands of hours into that method. So it, it felt easier for me to not anchor with a long putter than to, to go to the short putter. But, you know, if I could probably work out a short putter if I would put thousands of hours in but that's hard to do at my age <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to be messing around with that at 60 that's no fun you don't want to be on the putting green for for two hours a day messing with a new putter do you ever yell at matt kuchar no. when they call it the kuchar method you tell them i want a master's doing this before you were even born <laughs> no I, i've talked to him about it you know i, I see him at the masters and the, uh, the players championship or a couple other events here and there and uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk to him a little bit and, and see what he's thinking and what how much loft he has and all that kind of stuff. How long his putter is, but he's a lot taller than me, so uh, <laughs> no, he's he's aware that I've uh, I was the one started it, and uh, but it works very well for him. And there's another guy who does it very well. That's uh, Soren Kielsen from Denmark. He's had a lot of success, and he's putted that way for probably 15, 20 years now. Yeah, you need you need to tell Kucher he's got to give you some royalties. Tell him you need a percentage of every check he makes if he's doing that. Tell him you yeah, you, you he, laid he the groundwork. Yeah. Uh, yeah. la- last question for I you. Wanna, I want to play ping pong with him. No, dude, I do. I do not want to play ping pong against that guy. Are you a ping pong player? Can you compete with him? Well, I don't know. I hear he's really good, so uh, I, I would probably lose. But it would be fun just to see how good he is. Well, my last question is, I mean, you know, we've gone 26 minutes and I haven't mentioned Tiger Woods. That's got to be a record. Tiger back playing. Uh, do you pay attention to that? I mean, do you do you watch and see how he's done? Are you interested to see, you know, if he's able to come back, if he's able to compete at this point? Of course. I love golf and I watch it on TV and, uh, you know, I, I hear the, the news and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, when Tiger plays, it's news. Uh, he's been away from the game for uh, most of the last few years and it's great to have him back and to have him healthy and uh, I hope he does well I you know early on I always thought he would win a few more majors or in tournaments and uh, lately with all the injuries he's had uh, it's becoming more and more of a question mark but uh, there's still signs of brilliance there so it's just a matter of uh, whether uh, he thinks he can do it and, and whether he can put four rounds together at the right time. All right, I lied. This is my last question. You said you watch golf on TV. I do commentating for golf. Um, I, I do some of the USGA events and such. What's your biggest pet peeve that golf broadcasters do or say that you wish they would change? Uh, they they kind of focus on the same guys all the time. I would love to see them do what they do in Europe where they show 30, 40 different players. Um, you know, they sometimes just focus on three or four guys and they show them standing around waiting you know, for the group ahead to get out of the way or to, to 
line up a putt or whatever it may be, when they could show two or three other guys hit a shot somewhere else and just show more people. Uh, you know, there's 150 guys playing. Why are you just focusing on four or five of them? Uh, that's always been one of my issues over here. And if you paid $50 for a ticket, you're going to go out to a golf tournament by yourself on a day, maybe have a beer, maybe have a hot dog and follow a guy. Who are you paying $50 to go watch? Who's the one player you want to see in person play? That all depends. Um, you know, in the in the years ago, I would I would watch uh, Gary Player, who was my golfing idol, and uh, obviously Arnie and Jack uh, Trevino. I thought was uh, fascinating. Uh, thought he was one of the greatest ball strikers ever. Nowadays, you know, I've when I missed the cut at the Masters, I would go out with my kids and watch Rory a couple of years ago, and because they wanted to see him, uh, I've, se- I've seen him. <laughs> I've seen most of these guys. So. <laughs> Uh, but you know, there's there's some that are just like Justin Rose or uh, Adam Scott have beautiful golf swings. So it depends what you want to see. You know, you want to see technique and and a pure golf swing, or you want to see a Jim Fury who does it a little bit different, but still very successful. Well, Bernard, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, good luck this week. I know you're headed to Tucson. Uh, that's where I went to college, by the way. So have some fun. It always brings back good memories for right. me. And um. And have a great year. It, it'll be exciting to watch again. I know, uh, I know you, uh, you have goals and, and expectations for the season, so uh, we'll be watching you, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up at the end of the year. Yep, Hope, look forward to it. Thanks very much for having me on. Take care. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Big thanks to Bernhard Langer for joining me on the clubhouse. First time he's been on. Very interesting. Crazy to think how professional golf used to be and how you could be a club pro and come up that way, and now it's you know, sponsors invites and collegiate golf and getting known and being seen on multiple channels. It's just a different time and different age. Of course, I love the, I love a couple of the points he made about some of the older guys that have decided not to uh, keep playing as they got closer to 50. Maybe not uh, as much of a passion of theirs as it is for Bernhard, but he continues to be impressive. It'll be fun to watch him at the Masters and beyond. Just a reminder to check out Ogio.com. I mentioned the mutant travel bag. I'm telling you, the thing is awesome. It's huge, it's safe, it's lightweight, the wheels are great. I get it around airports easily, keeps my club safe, haven't had one issue with it, and I love how big the compartments are so you can pack a whole bunch of stuff in that thing. Sometimes if I'm traveling to a place and I'm going to be there for a couple days for golf, I'll just throw all my stuff in my golf bag. I'm sure the airlines hate that, but Ogio provides a golf travel bag that can do that. That's the Mutant Travel Bag. Use the clubhouse at checkout. It'll save you 20%. Free money, you get back, and you get a great travel bag. Trust me, you'll love it. Many thanks to you guys for listening. If you love the podcast today, make sure you write a review and tell your friends about it and let me know. I've been sending out some Clubhouse koozies lately. All you really got to do is go to the Instagram account at the Clubhouse Pod and send me a message and I'll send you a koozie. You don't have to do anything. Nothing. It's free. It's no offer code or coupon code or anything like that. Just email me your address and you'll get it. Hope you guys have a great week. Exciting stuff with the WGC headed up and then we got some bigger events through Florida over the next few weeks. Get out and play a little golf this week. Make a birdie or two. 